Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, America's number one small business expert. I'm so excited to be here with today with my guest, Mr. Lamar Tyler. Let me tell you, I have known Lamar and his wife, Ronnie, for a really long time. Back in the day, I actually met them in person at the Infusionsoft Icon Conference, which is, I know, at least five or six years ago when I met you guys. And, you know, he has had a tremendous run since then. He believes in the motto, the gatekeepers are gone. He's leveraged social media to move his website, Black and Married with Kids, from a small personal blog to an international brand with over 600,000 social media fans and over 35,000 customers across 50 states and 43 countries. He has been recognized for his work. He and his wife have been recognized as Ebony Magazine Power 100, which is the top 100 movers and shakers in the black community. He's also been selected as a finalist for the Black Enterprise Family Business of the Year and Infusionsoft's Small Business Icon Award, which I think is how I met you, right? You guys were up for that award, I think, the year that I met you. So that was a while ago. But now you run a digital media agency, which helps small businesses with solutions to drive traffic, convert more online sales, and increase their profit. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Profit (laughs) is how we keep score in business, right? It ain't about what you make. It is about what you keep. So I am so excited. Lamar, welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. All right. So tell me like how you guys went from, you know, this little blog about, you know, being married with kids and and, and, and having everyone empathize with you everywhere to, you know, deciding to teach people how to run their online businesses better. How did you get there? Sure. Well, a lot of it was focus and clarity. Now talk about what that means for a second. You know, we, we started a blog because we were passionate about showcasing positive examples of images of, of couples in the African-American community. And as we, we did it, right, we said, okay, this is cool, but first thing we want to do is we want to run it as if it's a business. Even though it's not a business yet, if it ever takes off, we want to be in position so that we can capitalize on actually what happens and not trying to go back and then get everything right and everything professional and everything like that. So we started like that, and the site quickly took off because there was a need, there was a void there. And we were, we were the couples that weren't represented, so we knew that, and that's why we kind of created it. But as it grew, one of the things that happened, Melinda, is that we initially monetized through advertising. And it was advertising, you know, um, with, you know, brands from Pampers and Hanes and Disney and a lot of other folks. But what happened with those advertising dollars is that we didn't control our own revenue. Meaning, one quarter or one year, African-American community is hot. Everybody's looking for us. Everybody's checking for us. The next quarter, they say, you know what? We want to reach the Latino community. So y'all sit on the sideline for a second. We'll be back. Uh, <laughs> or, or we had a great corporate connect, right? And they were just feeding us work and contracts and, and gigs. And then they left all of a sudden. Like we, we called and it's like, hey, that person no longer works here. Somebody new in that position. Wow. And they had a total different direction for the company. So we said, we got to do something where we're in control of our own revenue. And what we did is start to create our own products. So we started with documentaries. We've done seven full-length documentary films. Have that you led really? To, yep, yep. I didn't that know led, that. 
Yeah, we, we actually, that, that was the first real product we had. We did documentaries. We would shoot them, create them ourselves, edit them, put, put them together. Oh, so you were doing the whole Tyler Perry thing? <laughs> yeah, we, we were doing it, right? And, and I, I tell you what's interesting is we were doing it. We were kind of growing the brand and growing our social media at the same time. So what we would do, we would grow these documentaries. We would look on our analytics, right? Our Google analytics for our blog and for our site and say, all right, where do we already have a market of people at? And then we would go rent out a private theater in those cities and do our own tours. So for five years straight, the first five years of us doing films, we released a film every year. We would do anywhere from seven to 10 city tour, going to different cities where we had audience. We would um, sell out these theaters. Sometimes we would do multiple theaters in Chicago that gave us a two week run at a chain of theaters. We would sell product at the end of it, right? We got very good at doing this. And from there it went from documentaries to eBooks, audio books, membership sites, workshops, conferences. We've done four cruises with that audience. But the thing is, people saw us doing it. And they said, hey, teach me how. You know, we, we see you kind of growing this brand. We see you making money. We see you build an audience. Teach me how to do it. And eventually, after years of them asking us to teach them how to do it, we created a separate brand, Traffic, Sales, and Profit, where, like you mentioned before, we teach people how to drive more traffic, convert more sales, and grow the amount of profit in their business. Okay. So, but social media has changed a lot, right? Because I've been out here in the game a minute. And so I remember getting on Twitter when Twitter was one year old, right? And so now it's a whole different, it's a different game out here. And there's so much content, so many hashtags and like how, how, how have you seen social media change and how have you had to sort of like pivot your approach to social media to like sort of kind of stay ahead of it? Oh, Melinda, we started Black America Kids. We started on MySpace. Woo! You know, I, I tell you what I, when I tell people the story. <laughs> the millennials be like, my what? What are you talking about, right? You know, we, we started on MySpace. And, and it was at a time when my, most, we had a MySpace page for the brand. You know, we would post content. We would post pictures of couples. We would do different things. And that was when most people on MySpace, they just were coming through and posting flyers, like animated flyers with sparkles and stuff <laughs> on it. So, ah. so we grew with the growth of Facebook. We grew with it. But like you said, things are always changing. So, I mean, j- just one big example of change is, like I said, as we grew this, the site, we now have over, over 500-something thousand people just on the Facebook page for Black American Kids. But at one point, in the beginning, Facebook was wide open, meaning – Whenever you posted something, everybody that followed you, if they were online, would see it. And, you know, we may, when, I mean, we may have had like 100,000 people on the page. Every time we posted something, 25 to 35,000 people would see it. Wow. So to grow the site, all we had to do was create more content. At one point, we had 40 writers writing for Black and Married with Kids. And all we had was a content wow. machine where wow. literally if we wanted to double the size of traffic, which we did, we said to double the amount of content we created, double the amount of times we posted. And, and that grew the site, right? We were doing probably a million um, unique visitors every quarter. Mm. Just creating content. But guess what? One day we woke up and Facebook flipped the switch. Right. Right. They said, right. we got you. I remember. I remember. <laughs> they said, we got you. Y'all are visiting. We got, we got you hooked into the, to the ecosystem. Y'all are visiting and showing up on your own every day now. So we're going to flip the switch. And now the only time people will really see what you got is when they pay for it. And it changed everything. So like you said, I mean, faith, uh, social media in general, right, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, no matter what it is, all of it is always changing. So we always have to be abreast of what's going on. We always have to be on the pulse of what's happening. We always have to have a network of other people so we can reach out to other people just to say, are you seeing the same thing that we're seeing? Because it could be just a blip with what we're doing. But, you know, we could be down in the press for two months and not even realize that everybody's being impacted by the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, and we always have to be ready to pivot. That's the main thing. And, and if anything, for everybody listening, one of the main things we had to find out and really focus on was social is we had to make a decision at one point whether we wanted to be popular or whether we wanted to be profitable. <laughs> be- because for a while, like in the beginning, we had 100,000 people. You were the people. man. Like you had 500,000 friends. You were like, look, we do it. Look, it's, it, it needs to be clear. I had a friend that asked me one time, he said, you know, he said, you got 100,000 people on that page. You got to be making a dollar for every one. You wish. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So we, we had to get real clear about, all right, what are we doing to create these products? How can we get them into the hands of the consumers? How can we get the consumers to spend more? How can we get them to come back and spend more often, increase the average order value, their lifetime value, things like that. And we became better marketers. And now that's we teach other businesses how to do. So when you realize that, is that when you took your business to the next level and then became like a finalist for the Icon Award? Because I remember... I yeah. believe that was the first Infusionsoft conference I ever went to was the one that you and your wife were finalists. And I remember being so impressed that a black owned business was even recognized in that way because that wasn't typical. And so, and I remember being like, what are these people doing? Like, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember like, I, I, I really enjoyed going to sort of like the icon sort of like showcase where all four finalists got a chance to like tell their story. But I guess my question is, so when you guys kind of focused on the whole, yeah, it's cool to have all these followers, but we got to turn this stuff into cash. Is that when you kind of got tight with your marketing? Is that when you invested in Infusionsoft? Like, like how did all of that kind of happen? Yeah. And that's it. All of it kind of happened around the same time, right? We said, all right, we got to get real systems in place. Cause at the time, we had one thing taking payments, one thing for our events and screening, something else we were selling t-shirts on. We had like 20 different things <laughs> and none of it talked to it. I know somebody listening right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. None I of it know exactly. What, wait a minute. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had to get like our systems in place. And once we got the systems in place, like I said, we had to figure out what are we selling and who are we selling it to? Because even I mentioned the fact that in the beginning, we did most of our revenue around advertising. And at some point we realized, all right, they're coming to us because they want access to our audience, but we're not even leveraging our audience as well as we should be. So we really just had to learn a lot and and educate ourselves. And like I said, get clear on not just growing all these social media fans, but how do we really monetize it? And and making that shift saved us because a lot of our contemporaries and friends that kind of came up the same time blogging and just having websites, creating content, when advertising eventually dried up because nobody was clicking on banner ads, and nobody was, you know, watching the stuff on the website they used to watch because everything kind of transitioned to social. Their sites died. Their revenue shrinked up and then they had to go back to work. Mm. So that's interesting. So you you made that transition. So all those people that were like mom bloggers and some of that other stuff, they they ended up going away. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people went away because at the time, not only was advertising the key, what was one of the big keys and ways of monetization for a lot of bloggers were advertising display networks where it wasn't even like you worked directly with Disney and all these companies. We got the chance to work with them because we were the biggest ones in our niche. But a lot of companies, what they would do is there was a company called Mode Media. You speak Glam. And they would just sell all of the advertising positions on their site to Glam, right, or Mode Media. And then Mode Media would be the one that had the contract with all the Fortune 500, 100 companies. And they would just, you put a code on your site and they would just run the ads on your site. But guess what? One day, Mode goes out of business, Oh, wow. And they, they owe some bloggers up to five figures worth of revenue 
right? Like they're literally on the hook oh for money. And guess gosh. what? When they went bankrupt, the bloggers were not the people that were first in line to get paid. It was all those big advertisers, the Nissan, oh, the Ford, wow. the, you know, all these people that spent the money that said, hey, you know, uh, we have the lawyers, we're going to get there and we're getting our money back first. So a lot of people got stiff. But by that time, we'd already made a transition to where the bulk and majority of our income, we created ourselves and we owned it. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's a very, very key thing. So, so let's talk about creating your own customers, right? Creating your yep. own business. Now is, is organic search dead? I mean, is it, is it all about paid ads now or what, you know, can content still sell? Cause, cause okay. I, I've, I've looked at what you talk about on traffic sales and profit and you, you a big fan of Facebook ads. So I, I just want to know, you know, or, you know, how, how are you suggesting that people do this thing now? Yeah. What I think most companies need is they need a, a mix. And that's probably the, just the opposite of what most customers do. I think a lot of people, we depend on organic too much. And the reason I say too much is organic is great, right? I always say those are the, your ride or die fans and, and they become your customers and, you know, they, they have seen your journey and they're, you know, it's like the equivalent of you digitally going out and shaking hands and kissing babies. So it's wonderful, but most people listen to realize is that organic growth is slow. And it can take months, it can take years of you building communities, of you building backlinks and traffic to your website, of, you know, you building this organic social media page or social media group. What paid traffic, whether it's Facebook ads or it could be Pinterest ads or LinkedIn ads now, no matter what it is, what paid traffic gives us the ability to do is to get our product or service in front of a lot of people in a short period of time. Now, in saying that, what I will say is even though you can, you can get to them fast and it's like, you know, cutting on the water faucet, right? And all the leads are coming out. You can cut it right back off and they stop. And in terms of getting that, that's great. But you need to know when you're spending money, who you're spending money on. You got to be dialed into exactly who is the perfect customer, the perfect lead for me to get in front of. You got to make sure that your messaging, like once they get there, I got to have the perfect product for the perfect person at the perfect time. And if any of that is out of alignment, guess what? I'm going to be not just spending money, but wasting money. So, you know, that paid, you know, traffic is definitely the fastest way to get it, but you just need to be aware of what you're doing and be aware. A lot of times what people don't realize is they think, all right, I'm going to put this first little bit of money on and I expect to see immediate results. And that's, <laughs> that's not how this works. That's always the expectation, but that's not how this works. What they need to realize is that when they're, they're putting this in and they're making this investment, the number one thing they're getting back is data. The number one thing they're learning is lessons. So even if they're not getting immediate conversions, they're learning about the people that don't convert. They're learning that, okay, this, this audience is clicking on my ads. This audience isn't. This audience clicked on my ad and went to the page, but they didn't purchase on the page. And then once we get more data, we can start to dissect. Is the problem with the ad? Is the ad working, but the problem with the page we're sending them to? Is the problem with the offer? Is it some tech glitch? Something like that. But we got to have data that we can begin to learn from, begin to increase our perspective on what we're doing through our market. That's, that's really, really good stuff. So, but what about things like lookalike audiences and retargeting? And is that all a part of the soup or you really just need to know who it is who you really need to be targeting? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely part of the soup. What I tell most people before they even dive into this is that they need to either spend a lot of time focusing on it or they need to just hire somebody that has spent a lot of time focusing on it, right? Because what most people do is they really don't dive into it enough. Now, three, four years ago in the earlier days of Facebook ads, when there weren't as many people on it, you literally could just put up an ad and send them to a page and people would buy. But now you need new audiences. So what, you know, the custom audience we're talking about is, is the ability for you to 
upload a customer list into Facebook. Facebook can target not only target those people, but then you can say, all right, go out and find me a million people just like these people. You mm-hmm. can put a, a snippet of Facebook code on your website, right, called the Facebook Pixel. And then you can say, all right, you know, I want to segment people that land on this specific page. So for Black and Married with Kids, for example, we have pages split out by the pain points couples have. Communication, infidelity, intimacy, uh, money, right? That could be a pain point. And when you land on that page, we build custom audiences around whatever that pain point is. So then if we have a product around money and finances, we can target people that read a money and finance article on our website. But not only that, then we can create a lookalike audience of a million other people that look just like these people that had this issue. And then, like you said, we can retarget those people, meaning that only on average, right, like 3% of people that land on your site are ready to buy the first time they get there. Mm -hmm. Most of us, what we do is we let the other 97% walk straight out the door, (laughs) right? We tell them, bye, deuces, see you later. (laughs) Oh, we had a great time visiting. But but that's the end of it. And we all know the fortune is in what? The follow-up. Right. So we can do a retargeting is for the 3% that are ready to buy it is great. For the other 97%, we keep putting our offers in front of. And for the people listening, that's why uh, when you go and you're shopping, you're looking at those shoes, you're looking at that suit or that dress, and it's following you around everywhere you go on every website. It's in your apps. You're trying to play Scrabble on your phone, and then that ad pops up. And you're like, what are they doing? Like, it's the, the reason this time, Linda, is amazing is because all of these tools and resources that were set aside for the big boys, we got access to them now. Right. Now, the thing is, we have to take the time to learn them. We have to invest in them, but we do have access to them. And that's what's amazing about this time we live in right now. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's kind of what social media did for us. Remember when you used to have to call these gatekeepers and be calling and calling and calling and, yeah. and you had to be nice to the secretary and hoping that they would put the call through. Like, you know, and so that's what social media did. It sort of like eliminated the need for that. They was online. You could find them. But now with social media, it's sort of like the same thing. It's like the landing experience, that all important landing page is really important. I wanted to ask you about sales copy, whether it's sales funnel copy or landing page copy. Is that something somebody that writes blogs should write for themselves or should they hire a professional? It's different. What I'm saying is definitely different. So writing for your blog is not writing persuasive sales copy to get somebody to actually take action and buy something. But you know, what's interesting, if if I can say wait in this for a minute, I think it's a huge opportunity for people that love to write and that love to blog to actually look at careers in creating sales copy. Because one of the biggest needs I see for small business owners is actually they're always looking for people that can write copy for them, that can write persuasive sales emails, that can write landing page copy, a sales page copy, or you know funnel copy like you're talking about, or even copy in their Facebook ads or different ad creative like that. So it definitely is a different skill set. It definitely be something you need to you know train yourself, study on, and work on because it's not you know telling your story about what happened you know over the past weekend that this retreat you attended is not the same as getting somebody to say, okay, these are the, the, the emotional tone they're feeling right now. Here are the pain points that they're facing. And here is how my product and service helps them overcome that challenge and gives them a transformation. A totally mm-hmm. different conversation, but one that a skilled writer could possibly make the transition to if they put the work in. I couldn't agree with you more. So tell me, what are some of your favorite tech tools? Sure. Some of my favorite tech tools. For one, so I'm, I'm super basic. So I just like the Google suite, right? It's like like my Google calendar, my Gmail, like all that stuff. We use the kind of like enterprise corporate level. All that stuff is my favorite stuff. For Instagram, we use Later, which is pretty popular, right? Later, later L-A-T-E-R, Later allows us to kind of schedule 
and, and pre-post, you know, our Instagram content that we get out and we push out. For people, hey, how about this? For people doing Facebook ads, since we talked about that earlier, a neat tool they may want to check out is Ad Espresso. If they're doing their own ads. Ad, is, ad Espresso, like the kind of coffee, ad, ad AD Espresso, allows you to actually go in and create Facebook ads but then you can create multiple test variations, up to 250 different variations. Oh, wow. A one ad right in the software, and it'll actually run the test, and then it'll show you what the winners are. So you oh. can have, and the things you can test, you can test different subject lines, different body copy of it, different images or different videos in it, and it'll actually bring you back all the data, and even different audiences as well. So let's say this audience performs you know, 60% better than this one. This image is not performing well and you literally can just, you know, click, yes, I want this. No, I don't want that until you really get it down to the perfect audience. And then, like we said, once we know that perfect audience is, we can try to duplicate that and find more people just like them. Okay. Now, a quick question about, about Instagram. Is that is that the best converting platform? Uh, for us, it's still Facebook. Okay. So for us, it's still Facebook. But when we look at on a social landscape and, and I always tell people, right, depends on, Again, who you're selling, who you're selling to. So we always keep coming back to, you have to know who that avatar is, who you're speaking to. And different people live on different platforms. But for us, uh, Facebook is still number one. Even though the, the landscape has changed, it's still number one for us. We go pretty heavy into Instagram. And then our number three that we're looking to grow into a number two. And maybe eventually a number one is going to be YouTube. Okay, that's interesting. So my mine are different from yours. So what, what, what are yours? I'm curious. So I... I'm definitely still pretty influential on Twitter and then Facebook and then LinkedIn for me. Like LinkedIn is huge for me, but I'm, but I do B2B. So, yep. so I don't really do a lot exactly. of B2C. So, so LinkedIn, link, LinkedIn's probably even, maybe even a tad bit more effective than Facebook for me. So yeah, see it again, um, right? It's like, that's, that proves it's all about who you're talking to sure, and sure. knowing where those people are at. So for LinkedIn, we actually are doing, more testing because we want to do some testing on the traffic sales and profit side there to see if our customer and our avatar is there and what we can do because they have advertisers. We want to run ads and get in front of them quick to see what happens. But it's interesting too, right? Knowing what the objectives are. So for us, say for black and married with kids, we have a nice size following on Twitter, right? It's probably 30, 40, 50,000 people over there, but we can't get them to click on anything. <laughs> like they, they're engaged, they like stuff, they retweet it. We're like, come on, y'all, the party's over here at my house. They will not come back to our house. <laughs> I, 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 as someone with three hundred thousand followers on Twitter, I can tell you even more about that. So, what about online courses? Do you run online courses, and what platform do you run it off of? Yeah, we run online courses. Our courses are integrated through a platform called Membarium. Because we use Infusionsoft as our back end, so we, we look for programs that kind of integrate directly with it. So we use uh, Membarium for that, which is a WordPress plugin. It kind of works between, it's kind of like a marriage between uh, WordPress, Membarium, and then LearnDash as Got a it. content management system. Got it. And then the next question I had for you is, tell me about your, this traffic sales and profit conference that you have. Isn't it like, what do you do, once or twice a year? Tell me about that. Sure. We do it twice a year. It's always here in Atlanta. The next one is the uh, last weekend in June, right? So it's a, a VIP day and two main days. So it's 24th, 25th, and 26th of June. And really what it is, is is a gathering, a homecoming, a intensive, it's a boot camp. We, the official thing, we call it a two-day hands-on sales and marketing boot camp, where essentially we go from 8 or 9 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night, bringing in some of the, the top African-American sales and marketing experts that really dive deep into specific strategies that these business owners can use. 
And I mean, to, to talk about the influence and the growth of it, we did the first one in June of 2016. There were 47 people in the room. And here, June of 2020, we'll have just over 700. So it's, it's amazing. If anybody wants information, you can go to www.tsp, like traffic, sales, and profit, tsplivetickets.com. But what we've been able to do is really, you know, I speak a lot of places like you, Melinda, right? So what we do is you've been to a lot of conferences and events, and you said, this don't work. Or, you know, you've been there and say, I hate it when they do this, right? So what I did is I kind of reverse engineered all the things I didn't like about conferences and events I went to. As, as a speaker, or even as attendee, I didn't like when you go somewhere and they give somebody 30 minutes to talk. Because I can't, I can't learn anything in 30. You can't teach me anything in 30 minutes. Because I need you to take five minutes just telling me who you are, right? And then if we go through 30 minutes, most of the time, it's no time for questions. I hate going places and you can't get your questions answered. So we do longer sessions. Every session that we do, we never do a session about Q&A. So it's always a chance for you to get your questions answered. I tell people, you should not leave wondering anything. Get your questions answered. Most of our speakers, the majority of them, they hang around all conference. So they don't just come in and then dip out. They hang around all conference. They're in the lobby all night talking and working with people. They're connected in that, you know, so they're not like aloof and missing somewhere. But, but it's just a different environment for African-American entrepreneurs where they get top-level education and, and information. They're sitting next to, next to, next to six, seven, and eight-figure business owners that have been where they are and that are willing to actually share the progress and the story as well. That sounds really awesome. I would love to come and chat at your conference. So we got to talk about that. So tell me about the best business advice that someone gave you. Hmm, That's a good question. The best business advice someone gave me. All right. So I'll do two things. Like, like I I have one quote that I normally use and I'll keep it in my head all the time. And it's from Jim Rohn. He didn't give it directly to me, but I I read it somewhere and I loved it. Right. It's, It's been one of my principles forever. So one of the things, most favorite quotes I got from him is not what you're worth, it's what you negotiate. So I always keep that in mind. And, and even when I work corporate, I kept it in mind when I went in and asked for a raise or a salary adjustment, right? And even in business now, because so much of our business, we're negotiating different things every day of every week, right? So like, I'm always kind of keeping that in my mind. Hey, it's, it's nothing for me to get bent out of shape about feeling this way or that way. It's not what I'm worth. It's what I actually negotiate each situation. And then talking about specifically advice someone gave me, like, like I said, that, that popular versus profitable thing probably was one of the biggest things that really hit home. That conversation I had, like I said, one of my mentors years ago, and he, he, he asked that, hey, you should have a dollar for every person. And I, and I said no, right? And he kind of set that goal for me. And then from that day on that path, I was, was after it, which, you know, we, we got there quickly and we, you know, quickly surpassed that way, way beyond. But it really put things into perspective for me. And is that probably like the top advice that you give folks? Like when they come to TSP, you're like, look, this traffic is one thing, but profit is the goal, right? So is that yeah. really like kind of how I you mean, it's, it's, it's definitely one of, one of the main things, just getting them to focus on, we have to be able to drive revenue. We have to be able to sustain profits in our business. And, and since I you know, speak directly to African-American entrepreneurs, there's some community-based things that I really impress upon them. Like I want us to grow businesses that employ other people. You know, the majority of our companies are, are um, solopreneurships, which is cool, except for the fact that our community is underemployed, right? And, and we're always underemployed. And the reason that is most people hire other people that look like them. So if all of us that are business owners aren't hiring anybody, right, we can't kind of fix that. And, and one of the other things I always impress upon our community is the fact that we are the ones we've been looking for. So we can't expect or wait for somebody to save us or to change our economic condition. We need to do that ourselves 
we need to, like I said, build these massive companies. We need to be able to bring other people in and, and, and provide opportunities for them. And we need to work together in order to leverage the different things that we're growing individually. Love it. Love it. All right. So everyone that comes on the Small Biz Chat podcast are asked the same two final questions. So what is your favorite business app and what is your favorite business book? Okay. So my favorite, I don't know if this qualifies as a business app, but it would be LastPass, uh, L-A-S-C-P-A-S-S, which is a tool that actually keeps your passwords together. So a lot of business owners, right, once you get into it and you work with different people, you got somebody developing your website, you got somebody creating emails, you got somebody doing all these things, but half of these software tools don't give you multiple user accounts. So every time you're working with somebody, they're like, hey, I need your admin <laughs> password. <laughs> and, and if it doesn't scare the death out of you, I'm letting you know now, it should scare the death out of you. So LastPass is a great way for entrepreneurs to be able to set up a password and give somebody access to their account without actually giving them the actual password. All right. I'm sorry. What was the second question? What is your favorite business book? Okay. Wow. I got a, I got a lot of, I'm a, I'm a bookhead. So I would say Succeeding Against the Odds, right? Which is the story of John H. Johnson from Johnson Publishing, Ebony, Jet Magazine, Fashion Fair Cosmetics. It's, it's his biography. But when I read it, it just, just put a fire inside me to say that if he accomplished Everything that he accomplished, being born on the banks of the Mississippi, right, in a community that, that was so poor, they didn't have a high school. Like, in order to stay out of trouble, and once he graduated eighth grade, it was going to be a year gap before him and his mom moved to Chicago. So he took eighth grade again, <laughs> like, just to stay out of trouble, right? They didn't have a high school. But for him to come from a community like that, to be one of the richest men in America. And a black man at that time, you know, we talk about all the ways that, that you know, society and the community and all these things are doing is wrong now. But can you imagine doing it then, 40 years ago? No, so, sir. No, sir. No, my parents are from Alabama, Mississippi. No, I cannot. And I'm really glad I can't <laughs> because <laughs> it is amazing what our folk endured without question. Listen, Lamar, thank you so much for coming on. And can you please remind my audience again how they can get more information about you and Ronnie and Traffic Sales and Profit? Sure. Like I said, if you want information on our event, that's www.tsplivetickets.com. Uh, more information is about the community itself. You can visit the website, trafficsalesandprofit.com. Or if you're on Facebook, the hub of the whole community is really in a Facebook group. You just search at Traffic Sales and Profit with Lamar Tyler. You'll find us. It's totally free. We'll invite you in. We'll give you all types of nuggets and great information to help you grow your business. You can drive more traffic, convert more sales, and grow the amount of profit in your business. Awesome sauce. Well, listen, I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and I want to leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. All right. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.